whatever we're facing, God, whatever trials, whatever hardships, whatever we're facing, God, we just laid out your feet right now. God, we exchange our heaviness right now for your joy. We take our refuge in you, God. We find our safety in you, God. Help us to find our, our happiness and our contentment from you only. Help us to find our peace in you. Lord, just move by your spirit today. here today, God. We just invite you here, Lord Jesus. You go
voice come on Father, we just praise, Lord God, we choose to praise. I pray, God, that right now as we just are in a uh, place of worship, that we understand that praise is, is, is a choice, God. It's not just what we go through. Praise is what we do when we choose you above our circumstance. Praise is what we do, Lord God, when we, uh, when we stand in the truth and not just by how we're feeling in the moment, Lord God. So when Jen sings, Lord, I'm going to praise, that's I'm choosing to praise, God. I'm choosing to worship. I'm choosing to bow down to you in every situation, in every place. And I pray that today, Lord God, as we continue on with today's gathering of people, your people, who are, who are either here to see, Lord, if you are with us, Lord God, or to continue on with their life in praise, God. I pray today, Lord God, that you would speak deeply to people's hearts and that they would choose to praise in every situation. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated. Say hello to the person next to you. Give God praise. Thank you, guys. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Hill City Church as the guys come forward. And uh, just excited that you guys are here. I love that song, 
that it says, I'm going to praise. I think that we think praise is, uh, is something that's derived from some emotional place where we can get to, and then we praise. I think praise is a decision we make before we get there. It's a decision we make before we get into hardship, before we get into good times, and we're, oh, it's easy to worship God in this moment. No, it's, it, it, we worship God because he's God. It says we worship him in spirit and in truth. Sometimes it's in spirit, and we can feel it, right? Oh, I'm feeling it right now, Sheena. I'm feeling it. I can worship God. And sometimes we worship in truth where we stand that God is God no matter what. God is God no matter what we go through, no matter what season comes my way, God is God. And, and I, I hope that we as uh, and, and people who uh, call themselves followers of Jesus uh, get to a place, and it's, it, it, we don't immediately get there. I'm telling you, it's a journey. It's a process. I'm not saying just do it, but we walk into a place where we can stand and say, God, I choose to worship you because you're God, not because I always feel it, God. You know, sometimes we don't choose, like to worship, you know, like to love our kids because they drive us crazy, right? But we love them because we choose to love them and, 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 and don't break the law, you know? <laughs> you got you to gotta love them. You got to take care of them. But I'm just saying that there's moments in our lives where I want you to choose to worship God before we get into any situation, before we get into an up or down in the valleys, we choose to worship God. And today, I, as, we, as we are generous, I want you to be generous uh, today as we give today. Uh, one of the big things that we have up on our website is that uh, we are being generous towards Urban Outreach. That is an organization down in Five Points, Denver, that helps uh, feed and clothe and, and be with the kids of, uh, of that area and with the homeless. So if you are, uh, are thinking or if you are choosing to give to something that is other than what you normally give to, I ask you to choose to give to this this season because what we're doing is we are going to, um, we're going to build a, a big walk-in refrigerator so that they can start giving out food and uh, so that they can start a food bank in that area for the families and for the people there. And that's what we're choosing to do as a church in our generosity. So if you are uh, going to be generous this summer, be generous in that way. And, and so we have it on our website. If you're giving online, just go under in our giving. And, and uh, you can go to our website, myhillcity.org, or you can give uh, uh, through text. But I want you to give towards uh, the uh, refrigerator or give as something you want to be generous in. But I'm going to pray, and we're going to run into this. And I just pray that God speak to our hearts today. Heavenly Father, speak to us, God. More than anything else, we've come here not just to come here, God. We come here as people that, uh, that uh, want to learn more about you, to figure out who you are. Or we come here as people saying, I'm dedicated to you and I'm praying for the people in the room. and praying for the people who are online, Lord God, that they would hear the Spirit of God call them, Lord God. And their soul would feel your presence, Lord God. And they would move to praise the maker of heaven and earth, Lord God. And I pray that be our goal today, Lord, and every day that our lives would reflect the life of Christ and the passions and priorities of Christ and that they would become our passions and our priorities, Lord God. Not only the character of Christ, but the passions and priorities of him. And I pray that be our desire moving forward. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity today. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Talk to your neighbor. Tell them a nice outfit. I love your your blouse, your blouse looks awesome, or nice hat, nice hat. 
I like your, uh, your I don't know, your bracelet. But uh, say hello to the person right next to you. I mean, really do it. Say hello. Say nice hair, nice haircut. Where'd you get that? Walmart, me too. All right. If you are a guest, thank you. My name is John. I'm so glad that you're here. We have a lot of things going on, including Growth Track. If you want to get more involved in the church or want to serve alongside with us, we have a class called Growth Track. And in Growth Track, you just learn the history, the values, and, and the mission of the church. We also have life groups, which maybe I haven't uh, said uh, lately, but life groups is just a place where you connect. Do not do life alone. I know, I know you hear that. No, I have tons of friends. But I, I, we have friends. But I, I want you to have friends that you actually pursue life with. Pursue life with. Have a dialogue with. I think dialogue is one of the things that we actually miss in, in our day-to-day lives sometimes. We have, we have statements and uh, we have Facebook posts, but we don't have dialogue with human-to-human, like face-to-face. Man, I love you and I'm for you. Uh, and, and just like just this life of dialogue back and forth. And that's what happens in life groups. And we also serve together. We're generous together. But I'm, I hope that you're always striving to learn and grow and challenging yourself because no one else is going to challenge you. When you're a kid, your parents challenge you to go further and farther and to push beyond your limits. Sometimes when we become adults, no one else is there to say, go for it, man. Go for it, Paul. Like, I'm for you. I'm behind you. If you fall, I'll catch you. You can live in my basement, right? It's, a, it's, like, it's like you need people to be right there behind you to say, I'm for you. Because sometimes we're, we're scared to attempt, and we don't know who's on our side. And I, and I just want us to challenge each other, to grow in, in intimacy with, uh, in, in, in Christ, to follow Christ deeper. And this is our mission. This is our mission as a church, to live like Jesus in this community for our community. We believe we grow closer in this community, but it cannot stop here. It cannot stop here. Faith cannot stop in these walls or in your life. Faith must move past this community to the greater community that God has us here today. Together for people around us, for people at work, for people in your home, where we shop, where you work out. And, 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 and you and I, we are good news. Say good news. The gospel means good news. And I hope that at your workplace, are you good news? This is an easy kind of test to kind of think about yourself and where you're at with the whole uh, idea of even with Jesus, where he was, he was good news. He was good news. Are you good news in your neighborhood? Are you good news at your work? Are you good news at the gym or wherever you are? Be good news because people need hope. I'm just, I'm just telling you, people need hope. Isn't that true? All this week, has been, uh, it's been pretty crazy, and, and, and I know Jen's up here leading worship, but her grandma is passing away, and, and she was at the hospital for many of the, much of this week. So pray for Jen and Caleb and the family, and also pray for Kristen and Ron Lovato as, as Berna, their, uh, uh, Ron's mom, passed away last night. And she uh, normally would come here and she would sit all through these areas until her health wouldn't allow her. And she would watch us on online and, or listen to us. But she has passed away and she it was, it's crazy because she was smiling all the way through. Because she was like, I can't wait. I know it's really a sad moment, but I can't wait. And I'm telling you, there's people that are going through it and they might lose hope. And, and you might be the hope that they need. And you don't need to say anything special. You know, we think, oh, I need to have it together. I need to say the right thing, be the right person. No, you just need to be yourself. We are all, we are all broken people. 
seeking, right? We're all moving forward to be more like Jesus, but we're not perfect. You don't need to be perfect to love someone. You don't need to do it in the perfect way. You don't need to have the perfect things to say. I feel, I feel a lot of pressure. I need better say the right thing. Then I say something dumb, and then I go home. You're like, you're so dumb, John. Like, and there's these moments, and they're like, we don't care. We just wanted you there, right? I just be, I'm just with you, and I hope that that is in us, that we are good news in that way. And if you are a Christian in this room, you can not only be a recipient of God's love, you must be receptacles, containers of God's love and grace. And I pray that be in you, that be in you. So we're continuing the series in Psalms. It's called Summer Jams. And we're on part three on Psalms 42. And we're going to go there in just a moment. But we're in part three, okay, part three. And we've been going through the Psalms. Psalms are songs, poems, and literature that people wrote in their prayer closet or wherever they were when they had a moment with God. And they were like, oh, this is what I was feeling. And I actually wrote, and I've been practicing writing Psalms myself. And I asked you to practice it. I don't know if you've practiced it. But I've been thinking about God, and then I will think about a subject. I was thinking about sin t- this morning, and I wrote, like, a page of uh, poetry, is, which is kind of not in my normal things that I do. But I want to expand the way that I express my understanding with God. So I wrote a page of Psalms this morning, Alan. It was very interesting. But I, it's a practice that I'm trying to do, and I, maybe you need to do it because you guys are writers or you guys are creative in that way. But, uh, but we're in the Psalms, and it's called Summer Jams. It's called the Hits and the Deep Cuts of the Bible, right? And, and before we get in there, I just want to tell you a story. This, uh, on, thir- on Friday morning, uh, I, took the, we, uh, I took our kids, and we, uh, we loaded up really uh, pretty heavy backpacks, and I took them backpacking Friday morning uh, with, uh, with a couple of other guys and their kids, and I had all three of my kids. I was just going to take two kids, but my youngest one, who is uh, seven years old, he would not let, not take him. I said, I'm, I, I'm not going to take you. He's like, okay, dad. And he starts packing his stuff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, this guy, this guy. I don't know if you have a kid like that guy. He's like, I totally understand that as he's packing his backpack. I'll see you up there. I can't wait to go backpacking. And I'm like, no, you're not going. Okay, I, 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 I won't. I'm like, then he's like, he climbs up to the top of the pantry. He's getting snacks. He's putting it in his bag because he likes snacks. He's stuffing his bag. I'm like, this guy is crazy. This guy is crazy. And guess what? He ended up going. I was like, how did this happen? I, I told him no at least 10 times. And he's like, uh-huh. Yeah, I sure. Yep, dad. But, I, but if I can come, and you know, if you can allow it, I'll, I'll be there. And if you know my youngest son, he is he's tenacious in that way. And, and so we, uh, we went up uh, backpacking, and, and he got his backpack on. It was heavy. He looked crazy. I should have got a picture. And he, there's this giant backpack on this six-year-old little frame kid, and he's just hustling up there. And he, and he keeps on telling me, I'm doing good, right, Dad? And I'm like, you're doing great. And, and, and it's heavy. Like, my legs are on fire. We did a two-mile hike in into the mountains. And, and, and two miles is cool if you're not carrying anything. But when you're carrying weight, it's, it, after the first 10 minutes, the burn turns on. Right when you get off the, the car, you're feeling good. Then you put on the heavy backpack, and you start walking up this mountain. The burn starts on, and, you, and, you, and then you start sweating, and I'm breathing hard, and I'm like, ugh. And I'm carrying this giant backpack. And when you have three kids with you, the father carries a lot more stuff than I normally do. I had like two sleeping bags, two mats. We, I, we bought a bigger tent, and I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. 
And so I watched my kids go up, and, and they were struggling on the way up, right? And just to be honest, they were struggling. Their shoulders are on fire, and you can tell. And, uh, and, uh, and they made it all the way up two miles to our campgrounds, and then you let them free, and they run like animals throughout, the, through, through, through it. And I'm, I just tell them, don't jump into the river because the river is going really fast. And, and of course, one of them falls in. Yeah, but we got him. We got him. He's alive. I didn't, I didn't tell Candace, but he, he made it. Uh, because we had him crossing logs over the river. And of course, my wife wouldn't let me, but that's what we did. All right. And it was interesting. To, well, you're like, why are you telling me this story, John? Um, it was interesting to watch them go up a mountain one way, but they came down the mountain differently. There was no whining on the way down the mountain. Isn't that interesting? They're carrying all the same stuff, all the same weight, but you go up a mountain one way and you always come down the mountain different, right? You go up a mountain of hardship or whatever you're going through one way, but on the way down, you are actually, you are different. And you can physically see the difference that they have gotten stronger And sometimes I wonder if God puts us in front of mountains on purpose because that's the only, it's the only way to grow us. And God is more interested, is is less interested in your feelings and more interested in what we're becoming. Think about that. Who are you becoming? I believe this is a question we must put in front of us always. Because sometimes we can live life, not understand what we're actually becoming or not like who we're becoming, but we never ask that question. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Psalms 42. All right. We celebrate the word of God because the word of God reveals Jesus and Jesus changes our lives. Jesus changes our lives. And, And we're talking about bold moves. And bold moves is all about letting God use us boldly. In small places and in big places. And I believe as we allow God to use us, it's going to be the most fun that you'll ever have, but it's not easy. If, when you allow God to take your heart, to take your purpose and say, I trust you with it. I'm going to choose to worship. I'm choosing to praise. I'm choosing to bow down. It's going to be the most fun that you ever had. And we'll talk about that as we go. One of my favorite poems since we're on Psalms is written by Mary Ann Williamson. And it was in Coach Carter. One of the kids said it. But I'm going to read it to you. It says, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fears, our presence automatically liberates others. I wonder if the light of God within us, because it is only his light. We're like the moon. We don't have our own light, right? I wrote about sin this morning. I was like, when I think about my sin, I think about how beautiful you are, God. And that's the poem I wrote today. And it was this beautiful moment for me. 
But it, you have light within you that when you shine, it allows others to shine. But when you draw back your light because you're frightened of what other people might think or you know, oh, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to discourage them. We don't allow their lights to shine because people don't need you to be always on the same level. Sometimes you got to push up so people can go up the mountain with you. It's true. You do. And so let your light shine in Christ. But why is it so hard to shine? Just honestly, right? Oh, it's not, oh I, yeah, that's what I need to do. I just need to shine. I just need to do better, be better. No, no, no. Why is it so hard to walk and speak truth and walk in the light of Christ and reveal who Jesus is through our lives and obey his commandments, right? He says, teaching them so that you may obey all the things I've commanded you. That's what Jesus told us to do to be a disciple. It's because there's a struggle within you. Within all of us, we struggle. Isn't that true? We have a battle within us that we battle with every day. And, and that's what Psalms 42 is actually about. It's about a battle. And I'm going to read through you to you from verse 1 to 5. And I'm going to break this down. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. And we're going to talk right through. And, and, and it says, as the deer, verse 1, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul longs for you, God. Verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God, not this dead God, not this religion, not this understanding of God, but this, this, uh, this experience of God, this truth of God. Where can I go and meet with God? If you grew up in church, this song, As the Deer Pants with the Water, it was a, like a top hit in the 90s. If you grew up in the 90s, this was your jam. This was the Christian jam. It was like, As the, is that too old for people? Do you guys remember As the Deer Pants? Yeah, yeah, it was like, it was, it was rad right? It was, it was rad. But I remember this song, this, and I, I thought it was a positive song, because we never went past verse one, right? We just sing, as the deer pants for the water, my soul longeth after you. And we sang it in King James. So that's how old school we were, right? And so I was like, I was singing this song, and then I read the rest of the psalm. I was like, this isn't a positive song at all. I thought it was a positive song. In the 90s it was, right? And so I was continuing. It says, uh, the songwriter here is, uh, is writing about living in deadness and dryness of his soul, of his faith. I'm dry. I'm thirsty. I'm dying here. My soul is, feels dead. And verse 3, it says, uh, this is crazy. My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under protection. So he used to go to the house of God. He doesn't know more. And he says, I was under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festival throng, right? So he's like, I used to go to the house of God. It was awesome. I used to praise out loud. It was great. As you can see, he was talking about my tears are my food. I've been crying so much. People are mocking me. Have you ever been there, like, where you feel like, where is my God? I've been wondering this myself. God, I need you. I can't handle this. Do you hear my cries? And have you ever been there asking this, these questions? Are you there now? Are you in a storm? Are you feeling dry today as the deer pants for water? Maybe the psalm is for you. Verse 5 says this, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He's like trying to encourage himself. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We see here the struggle between despair and faith. 
And I believe everyone in their lives goes through a struggle between despair and faith. Isn't that true? And if you have not been, you are still young, right? Because we all go through struggles at times in our lives. And we see here this is a struggle asking, what do you do? And this is a question for all of us in this room. What do you do when your mind is there but your heart is not? What do you do when you know what you need to be doing but you don't want to do it? What do you do when you know the problem, but you don't want to change? I don't know about you, but this is, these are real questions because we are not always feeling it. I'm not just, oh, oh, I'm just on. I'm always feeling it. If you're always feeling it, you're some sort of robot, right? Sometimes we, we go through ups and downs and downs and ups. But what do you do in times of dry times, disobedient times, when God seems quiet, when you seem quiet, when your soul is restless, when you have a restless soul? And I said it. We, can't, we can fake it like Christian robots and amen and yeah, praise God all the time. But there's moments where you're like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I am in a place where I just, I'm here, God. I'm here, God. I need you to say something, move something. I know what it used to be like, but I'm here, and I'm dry, and I've been away from you for a while. I've been in this struggle. We can honestly come to a place like this man. He says, why is my soul so downcast? Why am I so disturbed within me? Why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? Why am I afraid? Why do I feel like this? I want to hope in you, but I also don't want to. I feel so far from you, but I'm not actually moving close to you. Right? How can I shake this off? Have you ever been there? So what do you do when your mind is there, but your heart is not? Number one, I give you some applications of this man. We learn to wait. I think very much that song today was talking about waiting. You wait on the Lord. And it's a, it's a place of a waiting room. And I talked a little before. Sometimes God takes us to a mountain or to a place of waiting to teach us, not because he just wants us to wait. Do we trust that is so much better is his way than our way? That song, that's what it said. Do we trust that? First, what does waiting teach us? It teaches us patience. Say patience. Patience means patience. It means perseverance, right? And waiting means waiting. Yeah, that's why waiting is hard. We want to like, we want to go to a waiting room, but we want it to happen now. Have you ever been like, oh, why is this taking forever? Because you're in the waiting room, man. And you, what do you do in the waiting room? You wait, and it takes time. It's, it's this learning of being still. Learning to be still. This is where you can see how much of a control freak you are. I don't know if you're a control freak, but you can test yourself by waiting. Are you, do you freak out when you're waiting? Are you, I, I like when the person that, you know, you're at the doctor's office. And I like the people watch at the doctor's office. I like the person or the dude or the lady who keeps on going up to, is, is it ready yet? No, okay, the doctor will take you when they're ready. And then they sit down, they come up again. Uh, uh, how much more time? And they just want a time. And, and the reception is like five minutes. Just make something up. I'm like, dang, that was fast. <laughs> five minutes. Then like 20 minutes later, you said five minutes. She's like, five more minutes. It's like waiting, waiting, waiting. But patience is not one of my greatest skills, right? I don't know about you. Some of you guys are good at patience. I want things now. I want to understand how it works. I, I'm the guy who goes on WebMD and finds out like, don't go on WebMD if you want answers because every answer is, 
you're going to die, right? Every answer, every answer on WebMD, like somehow it ends up you're going to die. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. But it's just a scratch, John, I know, but look at it, right? But, but the reason I'm the WebMD kind of guy is because I want to lead the dance. In my relationship with God, I want to lead the dance. I want to tell God, this is how I want to feel. This is how I want the church to be. This is how I want my relationship to be. I want to lead the dance with God. And this is what God does to me. Then you'll wait. And I'm going to teach you patience. I'm like, what? But, I, but it's time to dance. Michael Jackson's on. We, we should dance right now. You know, I, w- I want to go now. I want to do this now. And God's like, no, I, I need you to learn to wait. Because God is leading me into things I cannot handle unless I get a, have a better grip onto my faith, onto Christ. See, if we don't learn to wait, we won't have a deeper grip onto Christ. So God teaches us to wait. And waiting is patience. Second, waiting is a posture of humility, like waiting tables. It's very humble to wait tables, right? How many of you guys ever waited tables at a restaurant, Right? A bunch of you guys. Waiting tables is a skill. And some people, how many of you guys have ever been fired because you're not skilled in waiting? Right? I don't know. I'm not very skilled, right? I used to do a service industry where I'd prepare food. And I didn't, like, I didn't care what the food looked like. They're like, no, take that back. I'm like, it's a sandwich, man. It's a sandwich. You just eat it. No, it's supposed to look a certain way. It's supposed to be presented a certain way. But I was impatient, and I was maybe not humble enough to listen to that. Waiting tables or waiting on guests, it brings you under the service of another, trusting God for the outcome. That's waiting. And humility means allowing God to expose our true self and humble us. God wants to expose you to him, to yourself many times. Because he already knows what's going on, right? Do you know your own heart? And I, I really mean it. Do you know your own heart? Because a lot of things, have you ever said to yourself, where did that come from? You got mad like so quickly. Someone said something and it, it, it made you remind you of something in the past, a pastor, a past moment. And you respond with either a bunch of emotion of sadness or you respond with anger. And you say to yourself, where did that come from? Because that is when God is exposing our heart and we can blow it off like, oh, no, that's nothing. That's nothing. Some of us are, we're like, we, we've come from poverty, so we hold on to everything we have so tightly. Don't touch that. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. And then God's like, look, that's your heart, man. And we're like, oh. And we can either push it off like it's nothing or have you ever gotten mad when someone said a certain thing about you? And you're like, oh, they're just disrespecting me. They're like, no, they weren't. They were just talking to you, man. And you freaked out. You freaked out. That's God exposing our heart. And we can see it as, a, as something good or we can just push it off nonchalantly. See, I, so I'm into photography big time right now. And I'm into a lot of hobbies, right? And this is a, a camera that a friend of mine has got me. And, uh, and I love a camera like this because it, it, all it does is, this is what photography is. You take good, you, it, you take light into this and it records it, right? So if you want to take good pictures, take pictures around good light. If you want to take bad pictures, take pictures indoors like this, right? So the difference in photography, all you're doing is the light is exposing what you're capturing and you're capturing a memory or emotion and it's just exposing light. And that's what you're doing. And I love photography. Maybe it's that 
It's that uh, understanding of God's light, that God's lighting things up, and I make it all poetic and everything. I'm like, this is such a beautiful photo because the light is certain this way, and the shadows on their face is just the fall off is beautiful. No one really thinks like that. People just say, oh, that's, that's a nice picture. And I'm like, do you see the fall off? It's because they don't care, and I care, right? I don't know if you're, if you're like that, but I care about all these intricacies of light. But, uh, but what God, all God is doing is God is exposing your heart, just like photography. He's taking, and he's showing you the picture, and we can say, oh, that means nothing to us. Or we can say, God, I see that lust in me. God, I see that anger in me. And if I let this play out, and I'm talking to even young couples, young couples, if you let your anger continue to play out and you don't expose it for what it is, for something broken in you, when we say, oh, no, that's just me. That's just what I do. And I say, that's bogus, man. That's us not dealing with true things that are going on inside of us, especially young couples in marriage. Man, if you see something and you say, where is that coming from? You got to deal with it. Because it doesn't go away. And wherever you are, there you are, right? It doesn't go away. So let God expose that light and, and let it face and face your own darkness. I think that's very hard for us to do. And people don't normally talk about that. When's the last time you faced your own darkness? You're like, what are you talking about, John? You sound crazy. I know, I know. But sometimes we need to look within and figure out the details of why we are the way we are. Number two, allow God to expose your heart. That's what we're talking about. When life begins to stack up, it's usually because we haven't dealt with a primary issue. We always think, we always like to point out secondary issues because they're easier to point out. Our, but our primary issue is, that, is our relationship with God. It's our obedience. It's our commitment. Hebrews 4 12 to 13, 12, 13 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing the soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. Intentions and thoughts. Why did you have that thought? Why did you have that intention? Are we paying attention to those things? In verse 13, And no creature is hidden from the sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give account to. God's word cuts through our defenses, telling us what's most true about us. That's what God's word does. And if we're not reading God's word, then we don't understand what's most true about you. And that's why I read through God's word. We, God's word reveals what we need to hear. It does. How many of you guys ever read a, like a Bible verse and you're like, that is speaking directly to me. It's revealing my heart. It's revealing my soul. Revealing what I need to hear. We may believe our greatest struggle is fear, jealousy. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's past hurts. Whatever it is. But normally there's one sin. One sin. Here's the one sin of the Bible. There's one sin really in the Bible. We believe we know better than God. That's the one sin. That's the sin of Adam and Eve. That's the original sin. And that's the sin we deal with today. When we say, I'll do it my way, we're really saying, I'm God of my life. You can be my counselor and tell me little things, but I'm the boss, God. I'm the boss of my life. And as we deal with the primary issues, which is my relationship with God, the secondary issues will subside. It says in the Bible, in Matthew 6, that as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and his ways, all the secondary things that we worry about, God will take care of as we, we take care of our primary relationship with God. And like the cross, we take care of this and God will take care of this. I mean it. You take care of your relationship with God, God will start taking care of your relationships. How you deal with people, how you deal at work, how you deal with, uh, uh, with drivers on I-25 at 3.30 in the afternoon where there shouldn't be traffic, but there's traffic on 144th all the way to 6th Avenue. And you're like, what's going on? And I just need to get past downtown, but you're still stuck after an hour. And it's crazy. And if you go drive through Denver, you'll get stuck three times no matter what. I'm like three times every single day will drive me nuts. Sorry, that's just my own, my own craziness. But seek first God's kingdom, man. That's God's promise to you. God promises you. This is a promise. You can take it to the bank, man. If you have a problem with the rest of the world, it's because we have the problem with God. And we can't see from his viewpoint, his vantage point, why you're there. You're supposed to be there because you're light in darkness. Now I'm going to dig even deeper and enjoy, okay? But how often, and this, you could, wait, let's just close our eyes just for a moment. And I just want to ask you questions. And this might be a little too real, but enjoy, right? How often do we blame our inabilities to trust Jesus on the failures of other people? I mean it. Or on this church, or on a church in the past. How often do we justify bitterness, anger, or frustration on the wounds we've received in the past? Or how often do we excuse our behavior and obedience due to someone else's behavior and disobedience? I believe these are very secondary issues and they are important, but God is asking us. Please take care of the primary one. And as the, as, the, as the worship team goes back up, you can open your eyes for a moment. I just want you to dig within. I want you to dig into your intentions because sometimes we don't know our own heart. And our heart, it tricks us many times. I'm telling you, don't trust your heart. <laughs> I know. I know you're like, oh, but everything I read said trust your heart. Yeah? Man, I was, as I was writing my psalm this morning, I was like, we are sinful. And if we trust just our hearts, just based on our hearts, it's, we're almost saying, trust what feels most right to you. That's a crazy thing to say. Say that to a, my six-year-old. Then he would just watch Pokemon 24 hours a day and eat cookies for breakfast. Right? You can't always trust your heart. We trust in the Word of God. Because we understand that we are sinful. There's, a, there's one last example I want to tell you about the Bible that we do. We like to deflect. We're like, I don't like to deflect. Well, Peter in the Bible likes to deflect. See, after the resurrection, John and Peter, they were with Jesus. It's crazy. This is this beautiful moment. Jesus is restoring Peter, right? Can you imagine? Jesus comes back after the resurrection. He dies on the cross. He's resurrected again. And Peter and, and John, they're walking. And Jesus comes back to him and starts to restore him. Like, Peter, I know you denied me, but I'm for you, man. And he's like, 
I can imagine Peter crying, and he's all in the moment emotionally, and he says, Jesus, I love you, and he's like, Peter, I love you, I forgive you, and he's like, Peter, I have a great ministry ahead of you, and he's like, really? Yeah, Peter, I'm for you, and Peter, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be the head of the church in Jerusalem. He's like, really? Yeah, you are, and then Peter, you're going to die, and he's like, what? <laughs> and Peter is stunned. And instead of embracing what Jesus has planned for his life, Peter goes on secondary issues. It says in John 21, it says, When Peter saw John, the other John, the disciple, he said, Jesus, Lord, what about this guy? What do you mean I'm going to die? What about this guy? Jesus said to him, If it's my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? I just want you to follow me. Sometimes in our faith, we are always like, What about this guy? What about that guy? What about this church? What about this guy? And we, we, we want to point at others while we, why we are the way we are instead of embracing the moment and the place where God has you and I today and saying, God, what do you want from my life right now? What does obedience look like for my life today? Instead of saying, what about this guy? Then I'm not going to do it if this guy's not going to do it. And Jesus is like, stop comparing yourself to John. Follow me and I believe Jesus is saying to us today stop comparing your life to everyone else I have put you right where you are follow me I demand obedience for you and from you and stop comparing stop competing I want to say that to us today stop competing stop competing stop competing we need to humble ourselves before God Listen, first and foremost, faith is not about how we feel. It's about obedience. Our excuses are always about us, and our obedience is always about God, right? And it may be difficult to follow Jesus in this season. You're primary, but he is your primary, right? And he will take care of the secondary. Allow God to expose your heart. And I know this is scary, but think about this. Jesus knows everything about you, every deep dark crazy thing about you the intentions of your heart and he loves you fully i love that jesus knows everything about me but loves me fully that is something we must embrace very strongly that is the very foundations of your faith knowing and following jesus and if anyone should be offended about our sin it should be him it was his life that covered our sin jesus enables us to be vulnerable before him with no fear of disapproval or punishment because he took that on the cross that's the gospel he took my sin on the cross he took my shame i can be real and vulnerable before him some of our prayers are too lame it is we pray robotically when you read the psalms this is like god i've been crying all day it's been like food to me god that's where i am today these these are very authentic real people maybe our prayers maybe need to be more real instead of like we need to say the right things the right prayer no express your heart and you're like what if i say the wrong thing to god god already knows everything about you Yet he loves you. He wants the intensity. He wants the real soul of who you are. Maybe you feel like you're the worst person in the world and you secretly hate yourself. 
And so you decided, I need to work harder. I need to be better. I need to earn my way back to God. And that doesn't work either. You can never do enough. Rather, look to Jesus and marvel at him. Have you ever just thought of Jesus and like, and then just like been in tears and say, I cannot believe that you saved my soul. I cannot believe it, God. I can't believe you can love me. Sometimes I can't even love myself, but I will love myself because you love me. That's also the gospel of Jesus. Let him in to all your hurts in your heart. Let him into all the places of the intentions of the heart and all the masks we hide behind. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, this man said, put your hope in God. Why so? Why is my soul so restless? No, no, no. Put your hope in God. And I want to say this. This is the main point of this whole scripture. Put your hope in God. I don't know where you are today. Let's stand. But I want to tell you, put your hope in God. I don't know how you feel about yourself, how you see yourself. You're like, I'm not, I'm not beautiful. I don't like myself. No, no, no. Take that away. God sees you as beautiful, as priceless, and we put our hope in God. There is nothing to be afraid of, for God goes before you because Jesus goes before you. You can confess and be honest, and you might receive correction, but you also receive comfort and encouragement. Put your hope in God. That's the power of Jesus. None of us are awesome. Jesus is awesome. Man, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. And he allows us to be vulnerable. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray. Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord and be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31 says, why do we wait? It says, because those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not be faint. God is teaching us how to trust Him, especially when we don't understand, especially when we look at a mountain, especially when you, we're waiting. He is exposing our hearts. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God, for I will yet, no matter what I'm going through, praise Him, my Lord and my Savior. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, that today, Lord, that people will begin to put their hope in God. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're feeling, but I want you to put your hope in God. And we're going to close by singing the chorus of this last song, and we're going to sing hallelujah. But if you're in this place, and you need to put your hope in God, and you've been far from God, and you are this person writing this psalm, and it sounds like your life, and you're caught in between, and you're choosing to follow God, and you're choosing to be obedient, just raise your hand. And it's not for me. It's just to God. Like, God, I'm, I'm raising my hand towards you. Thank you for everyone who raised their hand. I pray in the name of Jesus, your peace would fill this room in the name of Jesus your hope would fill this room Lord and humility would fill this room and say God I trust you to do it your way Lord God I've been trying to hold on to the steering wheel of life because I'm a control freak but God I'm going to trust you Lord God for my family I'm going to trust you for my past I'm going to trust you for forgiveness I'm going to trust you for healing my heart I'm going to trust you for my purpose I'm going to put my hope 
in God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Let's raise our voice. So much better your way. Oh, hallelujah, great defender. So much better your way. church is telling our confession today heavenly father as we leave today lord god we are choosing you lord god so much better your way lord god i pray during this week lord god let us move from lord god just praise to obedience lord god let us choose lord god to live for christ in this community for our greater community in jesus name we pray and everyone said amen god bless you thank you for being here get to know one another man go deep go deeper go deeper god bless you